0: Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu.
1: And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast.
0: A podcast for marketing ops pros.
1: And RevOps pros.
0: Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello, and welcome to another episode of OpsCast, brought to you by MarketingOps.com, powered by the MoPros. I am your host, Michael Hartman, joined today by no other co hosts. Naomi and Mike could not make it, and there's a reason why. So our guest today is from India. So challenges with scheduling, uh, as you'll as we get going, you'll find out that we actually, this is our third attempt at doing this. So thankfully, uh, our guest, Pakita P- P- Pakiti. I still got you know I practiced it over and over. I think I still got it wrong. Anyway, uh is joining us. It is evening here in the US and uh, more early morning in, in India for her. So thank you for joining us. And I guess she is here to discuss the impacts of ever growing market Martech landscape, and I think her perspective uh being in India is gonna be helpful. She is currently the global marketing director of Zopa AI, a B2B SaaS platform to improve the hiring process. So prior to joining t- joining Zopa, she held several general marketing, product management, and leadership roles. She is passionate about go-to-market strategy, brand awareness, account-based marketing, account-based experience, and demand gen. Shika has been recognized as the most innovative MarTech leader by the World Marketing Con- Congress. She is an active member of CMO Alliance Community and the CMO Council. So Shika, thank you for joining us and my apologies for messing up your name. No worries, Michael. Uh, thanks a lot
2: uh, for having me uh, on today's show. Uh, show, you know, I'm I'm really excited uh, to share my journey and uh, my learnings. Well, great!
0: No, I think I, I think our audience is going to be. Um, well, I love that we are we have gotten a number of people over the course of the last year or so who are outside of the U.S. I mean, our our is most of our guests are are definitely U.S. North America. I guess I should say North America because Naomi, who's our co host is in Canada, but um yeah, it it's I think it's one of the things that I, I'm I'm really excited about is that we've had guests from Europe, from India, from Australia. Um, you know, we just need a few other kind of locales and I think we'll have more and more of the the globe covered. So why don't we so you mentioned your journey, your career journey. So why don't we start there? Why don't you share with our listeners your experience as a marketer and leader? Um and um Really, as part of this, one of the things I like to hear about, are there key people or inflection points in your career that you think were important in kind of getting you to where you are today?
2: Yeah, sure, Michael. I think um, like any other, uh, you can say, budding marketing uh, profession, uh, so uh, my initial years of journey was, uh, you can say, a, a little similar, wherein I was trying to gauge that where my interest areas lies. So uh, you could say... for. Initially, for the at least for the five to six years, I was doing a lot of sales and business development, a lot of traveling, um, trying my hands with uh, all the new things about marketing. To be honest, I was unconsciously, subconsciously, subconsciously doing marketing, but I, to be honest, I didn't realize that. Okay, I'm I'm actually doing marketing. Uh, But then after that, you know, uh, I took a pause and uh, and I wanted to understand myself that okay, uh, now uh, a lot of experimentation has happened. So what next? You know, where I would like to. Uh, uh, spent most part of my journey uh, to understand that okay, this is this is where I belong, right? So that's how uh, my journey began um, uh, in totally, you can say, core marketing. And then um, uh, when I say core marketing, so to be honest, I learned everything from A to Z of marketing when I started working with Bentley Systems, uh, which is a software solution provider for infrastructure industry. So uh, again, a very niche industry uh, when we talk about infrastructure. Uh, and uh, when uh, we are talking about the uh, the buyer persona well, we were serving over there, because it was all about uh, architects, it was all about engineers, it was all about owner operators. So, so that was very interesting because again that was very new for me. And as you know, that the uh, marketing team is always short stuck We we always have what? zero. I, don't,
0: I have no idea what you're talking about.
2: We always have uh, zero to no budget, almost. And, uh, so of course, uh, then I, I was, you know, along with my manager and, uh, I was handling South Asia and the uh, CPAC region, Southeast Asia, Australia, New Zealand region. So then, you know, again, you know, understood that how a campaign need to be built, you know, when we talk about from bottom to top, you know, so first I understood that, but then later on it, the, you can say the strategy funnel flipped. So then I started understanding, okay, you know, this is the business goal. This is how marketing needs to fit in. And then, you know, how we are talking about the campaigns, etc. So again, uh, there as well, uh, learn everything about um, building up the campaign pages, working along with the uh, sales leadership, which is again, a very, I think, fundamental when you talk about the alignment. Yeah, uh, so and then again.
0: I, so I, you brought it up a second time. So I'm, I was waiting to interrupt or ask you a follow-up, but now I, I feel like I want to interrupt here a little bit. So I'm, this is unscripted. So, um, I'm really curious about, cause you brought up sales and you said you, you sold for a while and traveled. And so, uh, I also, for a short period of my time, my career was in sales and it, um, it was really, really hard, way harder than I thought it was when I, when I just, I raised my hand to, to take a spot. So, and, and I think it informed, it, it really changed how I thought about marketing when I got into marketing more as a core thing. So I'm curious, do, like do you think it would be valuable for people who are in marketing and marketing ops to better understand mm-hmm. what it's like to be in the shoes of a salesperson right out there knocking on doors pick up the phone to call getting hung up on right all those kinds of things I, I'm just like what is your perspective and I'm, I'm I'm gonna guess that the experience is fairly similar globally mm-hmm. but um i I know I I had times where I was hung up on and called names and things like that. I suspect it was probably like that. It is not an easy task. So for all you people out there who are in marketing and marketing ops and, you know, naysaying sales, I'm not saying there aren't people who deserve that, but there are, like, it is not the easy job that you might think it is. Uh, absolutely, Michael. It's
2: it's not at all an easy job. And I have, you can say huge respect for them uh, because the, it, it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, because herein, uh, they are, uh, most of the time, they are dealing um, uh, with the sales of a product or a service where they don't have, uh, you can say, most of the backing or most of, you can say, lack of the proper material. But that's why I think um, the misalignment comes into the picture because sales are out there into the market. You know, they, they are actually speaking to a lot of accounts. They are speaking to the prospect. Right. So they really know the pulse that what exactly they are wanting. But when they bring back that requirement to the teams, whether it's the product team or when it is to the marketing team, I think that that empathy, that thing needs to come out that, hey, you know, they, when they're saying something, when they're asking for something, so let's respect that. Uh, because they have got, the uh, you can say, they're they out there in the market. They know that the uh, what thing will resonate with them, what kind of messaging will resonate with them. But here, and I think if marketing and product, you know, what, what I also used to do that, uh, you know, before, I, I'm guilty of doing that. So when you're working in a silos and you say that, no, you know, this this doesn't suit well, this doesn't sound well, we have to craft that message in that particular way. That is not something which you can say gives a tick to the prospect to think about your product or about Mm -hmm. your service. So... uh, marketing a product you know is not only about marketers or uh, you know about that but then even for the product marketing team as well or people who are dealing in the industry marketing as well they all need to work together they need to you can say come out of their own box and understand that let's put ourselves in their shoes because that's how they are pitching it and to be honest over the uh, past uh, so many years Michael I have realized that every marketer If they don't know how to pitch their product, if they have not picked picked up the phone and did a pitch like an SDR or went and then sat in those account discussions, I don't think so. They deserve to be in the marketing because that time they don't know what is the thing, how they need to design, what is the kind of strategy and execution plan they need to do that. So for me, understanding this pivotal role, how sales is made when you're working in any organization, any product service, I think it's so so important.
0: Well, I I think you touched on something that um, I think is particularly bad in B two B or for B two B companies is just the language that they use on their websites. I I cannot. I mean, it's it's it it probably stands out when I run across a B two B company's website where I read their homepage and it's very clear. Oh, this is what you do, right? This is what you sell. as often as not, I would say that that's not the case. Right? There's a lot of words, and beautiful pictures, or whatever, but it's like, what's what is it you do, right? In plain language, and I think there's there's something about that that's missing. And I think that's I think so maybe where you and I both like having done that. Like when you're out there talking to customers, right, and you're you you have to figure out the language to use with them that may or may not match what product marketing or the marketing you know content team would like it to be um so there's this i think there's a balancing act right so uh, particularly a challenge probably for companies where they're it's they're they're kind of breaking new ground right a new market a new kind of product so all right so i sorry i totally derailed your story about your career but i was just like okay. fascinated i'm always like it catches my ear um all the time when i hear about people who are in marketing who've actually been in sales shoes, 'cause because i think their perspective on uh, uh marketing is different in a lot of cases Um, and i generally would say in a better way in a good way so do you was there more to your story let's let's so let's keep on going there if you want and, or we can switch to switch gears
2: uh, no, no, I'm totally okay. As I said that uh, over the past, uh, you can see when I talk about the experience and then um, uh the points which were like uh, enlightening for me, one was definitely the alignment piece because there was a particular project when I was working at Bentley when I had to work very closely with sales and producting and then make sure that we all are talking the same language and I have to Give them the, the trust that I'm your enabler. You know, I'm not on the other side. We all are on one side. There's no, There are no two sides when you are working in one organization. So that was one of the pivotal points. And second point was, uh, wherein I worked closely with my IT team on all the collaboration of the tools. Uh, so those are, you can say, two highs, uh, wherein a uh, lot of um, uh, revolutions about uh, the marketing concepts Came into the being, and then okay, there is a total difference between what goes in the theory and what is there in the the practicality.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's uh, there's a one of my favorite business books is one called Execution: The Discipline. The subtitles the, the discipline of getting things done, and it was co authored by an academic and a and a seasoned business professional. And I thought it had a good balance. So the academic is Ram Charan. Uh, and and the 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 business practitioner's larry Bossidy, and the 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 combination of those two was really i think i have not run across another book that was not either just someone owns someone's own story about their business success or an academic one right, where it combined those two so i think that that point of is, is well taken um so you, you said you mentioned IT that you worked with at that spot. Is is that when you started getting exposure to marketing technology platforms as well and that the landscape there? Because I know that was one of the things that you, we talked about um kind of preparing for this is and I think you used the term like the that um the market tech space is coming up. And I don't I can't remember if 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 you're talking about the, the sort of the explosion in marketing technology platforms and tools, uh Uh, in general, or if you're talking about in in India, in in that area of the world in particular.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim, but if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excel Events. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there.
2: Yeah, Michael, I think um, when, I was, uh, when I was involved in that particular project, because one of the main part was, which I think every management suffers, is that they do have a lot of tools, but they don't talk to each other. That's such a pain point because you are investing so much. But again, you have to take the help of so many business analysts or marketing operation team members to make sense out of all the data which is coming from all the different sources. So that was one of the points, you can say, the key objective of this particular project, wherein I have to make sure that the systems which we have, the tools which we have specifically in marketing, in sales, and in the inside sales team, how we have to make sure that they are talking to each other, they are integrating well, and the data is coming out right. Because how we define as a lead in one particular system? That's exactly not equal to another tool, right? So for, for our li- for our listeners, I've got way. this.
0: I've got this silly grin on my face because, like, I totally agree with this. Like the word lead, it, the word customer, the word campaign, right? They're all ones that have different general meanings to different people, as well as if you get into systems, and they have specific meanings in those cases too, and they're always the same. Anyway, sorry to interrupt.
2: No, no, that's okay, because I think that's one of our uh, holy grail kind of stuff, right? Wherein we are always trying to achieve, but yeah, we need tools, but yes, we also need them to be integrated well. And and then uh, I think uh, one of the points which um, marketers or the person who's involved in the evaluation and implementation of that particular tool, the miss that is that Whenever any new technology is being introduced in any team or in any organization, it takes time. It takes time to be absorbed. It takes time to be implemented. It takes time to be adapted in principle and in the practical way as well. Because, okay, say, for example, we are taking any uh, outreach tool or we are talking about any AVM platform, but then in theory, They're going to do wonders, but then, unless and until there is a proper discipline in using that, making sure that you are aware about all the features, only then you will be able to extract the real ROI. It's not about that, okay, we paid the dollar amount, we did the implementation, and now we are going to be sitting at that. Hey, did you log in? Did you check in? Did you go through the reports? But then later on, you you miss that point that they do not understand that why they should be using that. The why is very important, Michael, because in any of the market tool, because again, you know, we we all know that sales are so hard pressed of time. Whether it's sales or whether it's inside sales team, one is they need to achieve their numbers, and then till today they are the ones who have you can say uh, a very you can say a very prominent role in the decision making because they are the one who is bringing the business right. So whatever they're going to be saying that this tool doesn't work. This tool is going to take a lot of my time. No, this is a total waste. C-suite is going to listen to them. They're not going to listen to the, you can see the CMO that, you know what, uh, we got that. And then we we know that and we anticipate it's going to do 3x or 10x wonders to our dollar pipeline. Uh, C-suite is not going to listen to the CMO. He's going to listen to the person who is driving the business. And there's a second part is, uh, when we are talking about this all, in in you know thing the initial evaluation they have to be involved they they really have to be involved if they're not there i think it's always good to miss uh implementing or buying that particular technology that's that's you know my experience and
0: my belief. yeah so uh, so many thoughts right now so one I, I love that you brought up the word discipline that's one of the ones that i think is really really important for all marketing ops folks and in general um and i think um, the the reason people maybe shy away from using that word discipline is because it maybe sounds like you can't move quickly and i've totally disagree i think if you have the right kind of discipline and the things set up in a way that are relatively simple right i think there's a bigger danger in making all these systems complicated and dependent on each other and things like that that actually slow things down not so much discipline of being very deliberate about how you go to market because to your point right as soon as you lose that discipline you lose the 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 trust and the quality of the data that you're capturing as part of it so what to me that leads to is not better decisions but the same bad decisions just faster yeah <laughs> you know um i think it's a really interesting point that you bring up about um when to involve sales in the, the sort of the decision-making process about technology. I am I would expand it to when should we drop something, right? I think we've had guests on where we talk about, right. If you've got a MarTech stack, you should be probably evaluating, Yeah, you know, what are you still using? What do you not need as, as often as you are about adding new new things? So I'm, I think that's a really insightful point you made about the, 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 the perception of, the other C suite members, when it comes to sales versus marketing about whether or not something's being effective. And so I think for those of our listeners out there, right? Again, this is a yet another reason, right? If you don't understand that role, like, like really deeply understanding how those processes work, especially in the B2B world where a complex sale, it's, 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 it's critical. At the one point I think I would maybe. I would maybe disagree a little bit with, I think with your assessment is that you should include them always. I don't think that's true. If there's not going to be an, a fairly obvious impact downstream to the sales team. And I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, I can, I'm sure I could come up with examples and at the same time, I could probably argue against myself. Like the example I was thinking of, yeah, we, we, we had to do, uh, we have some stale, contacts in our database so we ran them through one of these email validation platforms where you get back sort of you know valid email not a valid email and a bunch of stuff in the middle and um the idea was like we need to clean out some stuff we need to be smart about when we include or not include people in distribution lists for our emails but uh i didn't feel like i needed to include sales in that where i'm going to caveat it for myself is but some of those, if we we're going to say, oh, well, that's no longer a good email address, we should delete it from both our marketing system and Salesforce. Now we start to get into like, oh, what if that's still like, what if the salesperson still thinks it's a good person? They just need to get the email address correct. Like, then I think there is, then I think it's important to include them, but not necessarily in the choice of platform. I agree, sense? Michael. I think, yes, definitely, because here in
2: they are not directly impacted. They are not going to be the ones who will be using. So what I meant was that wherein it has got a direct impact on them, and wherein we really need their involvement in using that. So that, uh, say for example, an ABM platform, or whenever we are talking about a sales outreach inside sales out- outreach uh, lead, kind of platform. lead routing, think. exactly, and yeah. scheduling. You know, so therein I think is is very important. Uh, because, as I just said, that um, if they're not uh, fully bought in, uh, then later on you will keep keep on hearing that hey, this is a uh, waste of dollars. This is a waste of dollars. This is a waste of dollars. So, so it, it will always be echoed in the background. But yeah, uh, I mean, uh, it, uh, your point totally makes sense because that part when we are talking about those tools, which are uh, which a marketing person or a marketer will be using in their own capacity without any uh direct contribution from any other team so then i don't think so there is an, there is a team because they are only uh you can say um uh concerned about the final outcome they only need the valid email addresses they only need the right data when you're talking about the data acquisition right. as well they don't care for wherever you are bringing
0: it <laughs> right right um I think I think if I was to boil this down right if 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 you're looking as a marketing ops or marketing tech person and and or revenue revenue ops and you're considering technology additions or subtractions um at least give a consideration about well should we include sales or sales ops or or similar folks in that process earlier rather than later and that makes sense to me. you agree? Okay. Got it. Okay. So, um, one of the, if I, if I understood your career journey a bit, you kind of went sort of right into the deep end of kind of leading marketing from soup to nuts or or significant portion of it, which included becoming familiar with the technology supporting marketing. So, you know, have, have has that been a continuing thing that has been part of your career? And then if so, Yeah. How have you as a marketing leader kind of dealt with this? I think we've talked about it and I, this way I would articulate is I think people have expected the marketing tech landscape to shrink through consolidations, but in fact, it continues to grow. And my assertion, and I don't know if it's right or not, is that a lot of that's because there's very specific point solutions that are coming out there that are bolted on to say some core things. And, um, Leading to some challenges from that standpoint, but it's like just keeping up with it. And they all have, they, they all, the, the ones that are successful tend to have really good salespeople who are good at finding marketers or salespeople who, and convincing them that they should consider it. So how have you, how has that affected you and your career?
2: Yeah, I think, um, when you talk about the, the space, uh, um, it is in my journey and I, I and I'm sure it uh, also is something similar with other marketers as well. Doesn't matter whether they are just still starting at the middle of their career or whether they are from, uh, at a senior level position as well. Um, in today's landscape, I I believe, uh, Michael, uh, a marketer needs to be a technologist as well, because if they don't understand, um, that how the entire thing is dependent on the technology because here we are always talking about data, right? We are always talking about how it's going to be impacting all the strategical decisions, how it actually will be driving the budget, forecast, pipeline, etc. For that, you really need a good, confident technology stack. And then and there, the marketer's acumen actually comes into the picture because it's not only about the technology because that the CTO can do but therein you are backing that up with your entire marketing intelligence and then how you are providing that, you know, the holistic approach, the entire 360 degree approach view so that at the end, you are able to confidently, one, project and strategize. And second is, you can also give the confidence to the C-suite that this is a function which a marketer can comfortably hold. You don't have to, you can say, Hundred percent depend on the CTO because CTO has got other things to, you can say, take care of and other things you know to uh, you know uh, to worry about. So I totally believe that this is something. Uh, to be honest, like it has happened, blessing in disguise because that was one of the projects which just came to me. And again, of course, you know, like an imposter syndrome, I was not uh, sure that uh, whether I'll be able to do justice or not that because I did not understand their language. They were not able to understand my language. So we we generally had that kind of dissonance in the beginning with the IT team. But, uh, but thankfully, um, I think it really worked wonder because then I was able to understand that a big gap in the big enterprise world and similarly in a startup world as well. Sure. Because what happens is, yeah, in the in the enterprise world everybody's in a hurry or you can say everybody is um, yeah, is in that particular race to achieve the numbers and they have to do that and then and again of course you have the leverage of a good budget over there so then uh, uh, going to technology and acquiring a martech is generally becoming a very easy route but then when you sit and analyze that where exactly is the gap how you can make sure that your marketing processes your operational processes your relationship with sales can improve with the help of technology. I think that was the philosophical bit which I really learned the hard way when I was working in this particular uh, uh marrying the marketing with the technology, how the martech came and became as one of the, my pivotal role as well. And similarly, I think in the startup world as well, like when I'm working with a startup right now, that uh, seeing the other side, technology is not always the answer no your all your challenges cannot be solved with it by the technology you have to sit and understand what is the root cause of the problem is driving the pipeline your issue you are not getting your enough numbers or you are not able to convert what is that challenge but definitely buying any other martech is not going to solve that problem I, so these are w-
0: two different approaches no, I, I i generally even though i grew up in my career doing IT type consulting, management consulting, and now, you know, do a lot of stuff with technology and marketing space. It's, I, I have for a very, very, very long time thought if, whether you think about this as a people process technology kind of approach to things, or, or maybe something a little, a little more elaborate technology is always the last piece, right? People come first process and then, and then technology if necessary, right? Or te- Because I think otherwise you, um, I've seen this too many times where you you choose a piece of technology and you force the organization and the people in the process to adapt to that technology as opposed to, which which sometimes makes sense actually, right? So if you assume that there are best practices built into some of these technologies, um, then it would make sense to sort of rethink your process um, and how you go to market or whatever. Because I, the other side of this is like I believe that technology, unless you're Amazon, right, who's who's built out a huge custom sort of capability that is is truly was with a part of their tech, their competitive advantage, right? I don't think that's the case for most companies. Where I think where their competitive advantage is, if they've got some sort of insight or specialty, and their ability to move quickly and adapt, that that to me in general is a bet as a better. Thing to have, you know, in your tool belt, if you will. Then I've got this tech stack. Um, Because I think what happens is is people go from one place to another. They go, "This is the my my sort of fallacy of best practices, right?" Is they like, "Oh, I had this tech stack here at this place. I'll just sort of go and do the same thing over here." And it and it may or may not work, right? If you're lucky, it will. I I I would, you know, if we if people are honest, I suspect the the reality is if they did that, right, the majority of the time it would not work as well as it did. Uh, the previous place.
2: Yeah, but I think uh, you've actually picked up on a very important point, Michael, that what has worked here, it's it's 100% true that it's not going to work there because bits and pieces of that can work, but not in that entire totality. That, okay, this is my entire Martex space, which worked in this particular scenario. Because see, every organization setup is different. Enterprise, markets, SMB, startup. And then again, what is the kind of solution which they are offering, whether that particular situation, does they demand that particular martech or not? So that is very, very important, I think, which we marketers uh, sometimes miss. Or sometimes I I would say that we actually uh, are buried under the pressure to deliver the results. um, Wherein in this entire game of bringing everything onto the table in the pipeline for the salespeople we actually um, uh, you can say shy away and fear sometimes that we have to take 10 steps backward and then really think that does is it bringing the value at the end of the year will i be the one who will be cutting that off or will i be the one who have to you can say no you know we, we have to completely uh, forget about the solution we have we really need something else so those are the things i think you can actually um uh, reframe or you can say uh, you can, uh, uh, with a proper evaluation, you can actually, um, uh, yeah, s- save
0: the trouble from that. <laughs> the, the, the phrase I've heard and I don't know where it, it was definitely not me who said it, but I've heard it before is like, it's slow down to speed up. Right. Right. You have to sort of take a step back and slow down to speed up. And so, okay. So one of the things that I'm sure you've gone through is, you know, as you've kind of learned your way through marketing, marketing tech stuff as a marketer is that, and you even, I think, alluded to it earlier when you talked about integrations right i think because there's so much of this point solution stuff and or or things that you know you maybe have a, two platforms both have a capability but one's better than the other so you sort of use the the best in class model right um but then that forces integrations the, all the things that go on with that including things like this just happened really in my current role is that the, the CRM team changed our state from state code to state spelled out, right? and so like now that creates all kinds of other downstream effects and we didn't know what was happening and um, so far it hasn't had an issue but but it's a, but it's a small but important example of like the importance of integrations and consistency across these. so how like how have you have you got any lessons learned uh, from dealing with that kind of stuff that you can share with our listeners? Yes, definitely, Michael. Um,
2: there are two situations on how we can deal with that. One is wherein you are inheriting the entire Martech space and you are not evol- involved in doing the evaluation and implementation. Therein, and of course, you can't do anything. Um, or, you know that okay. You know which were the solutions, which which are able to integrate with each other. So, in that situation, wherein you are inheriting everything, work and see. With the different, um, you can say uh, your support teams over there. That how you can make sure that all of them are integrating. Because most of the time, I have seen that all the marketing vendors, uh, they do have that on their roadmap to integrate most of the things. Because, because in the end, yeah, that is how they're going to sell, right? They will be selling their particular s- solution. That okay, this is your one stop shop because it also integrates with your CRM. Because it also integrates with your MAS, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's one particular part that go back to the product teams of that particular MarTech vendor, that whether they have that in the roadmap or not, uh, if the integration is missing at that particular time. Second is, when you're dealing in a big space like an enterprise, inheriting all these solutions, work very closely with your IT uh, and your data office team. Because they are the ones who will be, you, you can say, your enabler or your spokesperson during those decision-making cycles and going back to the vendors that, Hey, we are not going to be signing the check if we these things are not met because this is impacting our revenue. This is our people are not able to perform well. So make them your spokesperson by working closely with them. Again, you both should not be on the other side. You know, it should not be like an anti one, but a one team approach over there. And then the third is this, see that if the, the one doesn't work, wherein not, they don't have any integration at all. So definitely you have to look at the option. But again, when you're evaluating the option, think about it that whether you really need it or not, do a thorough audit so that you're not facing this problem again. Now, in the second space, wherein um, you're not inheriting, but you are the one who are bringing everything. Right. So my biggest learning and lesson, and you can say a uh, share, which I would like to share with the listeners is that. Think thoroughly and do the evaluation very in a a very deep and intensive manner because then um, if you do that in the beginning itself, it's going to save you all the trouble um, uh, at the later stage. One is definitely um, when they're saying about the integration, does it hold properly in the principle of not? Because what exactly they do mean by integration is just not like that. Okay, Mm. plug and play. They're just going to be integrated. No. When they say integration, what exactly does it mean? The end objective when you are you need to design your workflows you need the entire flow to happen you need the automation to work you need, need the assignment to work is it able to achieve your objective directly proportional to the indicator yeah. so that's my biggest
0: lesson yeah no i um i think that you that that point about uh, you can't i hate to say you can't just trust those. Vendors, I I don't think that anybody's intentionally – I'm sure there are some people who are intentionally, but generally speaking, right, th- that no one's intentionally misleading. But I think um, it's really it, – it, you hit a good point because I've been burned by this before where you didn't really dig in and understand when they say this can integrate with that, right? what does that actually mean? Is it um, – yeah, is it all objects? Is it custom objects? Is it, is it real time? Is it what's a day? Like all those things matter. And they may matter more or less for your particular situation, but I think that's true. The the one thing I would I think I would add to your first scenario where you're inheriting, and this has been my world a couple of times, is um don't go in and make snap judgments about what should change. Because uh what I've what I've learned is I've had to be really I've had to fight my urge to want to move quickly when I see something that goes, Oh, that just doesn't look right because in this case, especially in enterprise kind of world, right? There was, there was, there was stuff that was set up that maybe wasn't well documented, um, or wasn't documented at all. And there's certain things that, um, may be happening that you're not even aware of until something else comes up and it breaks. Right. Yeah. Which has saved me before. So I've like, um, a couple of times where I have like, Oh, I, I come in, I like, I see something. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I want to like, let's go. I think we should go fix it. But like, but let's wait. And that's hard. Um, especially if maybe it feels like things are not working well, right. There's sand in the gear, so to speak. So um, those are all good points. I, that's really good. So um, what, so the other part that you touched on with that had to do with, these systems integrations also affect data and quality and the the confidence that leaders have in it. How like, how have you addressed that part as well?
2: Um, again, uh, I would like to present two different scenarios here, uh, Michael. One is when I was in the enterprise phase and when I was um, you know in the startup phase. So in the enterprise uh, space, again, you have a leverage to where an entire data team is there or there are people who are actually managing the entire data office. So how I worked when I was working in the enterprise spaces, so again, working closely with them. But then again, uh, working closely with them, you, you have to be very clear because see, they're the data people. They don't understand the entire story. You have to give them the facts that what exactly is not working. Where is the data leakage? And then, uh, 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 yeah, and then where exactly is the leakage, and then which are the data points which they you want them to fix it up? Either they have to fix it up, or the martech person has to fix it up, or at the marketing side you have to you can say redefine that. So that's how you know uh, how you can solve the data issues. But when we are also talking with the startup world, then uh, uh, again uh, you can say there is a leverage because you are just starting up. You have the entire leverage to set up the processes exactly the way you would like to want, and then, which is not leading to all the data challenges at a later stage. So do it right the first time itself, so you don't have to, you know, again, reinvent the wheel. Sure, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think um, a couple of things, I like that, that approach there where you're talking about, and maybe I'm reading more into it, but are you saying sort of maybe start smaller in terms of reporting, like, this is something we've talked about on, on previous episodes too, is like the, the best time to do reporting is now, right? Don't wait till your data is perfect. Don't wait till your systems are perfect, but also don't try to solve. Don't, don't come out right out of the gates. trying to, try to create some massive dashboard, right? Do one piece, get it right, move on to the next piece. So on. I think is a, is a solid approach. D- has that worked for you before? Is, is that how you've done it? Or is it, have you done something a little more, a little different?
2: No, exactly. That's what we did because our management, when I was in the enterprise phase, they were like really, really worried and they were really irritated that they were not able to see one particular report, which is the right report. They, of course, they don't have time to look at the hundred reports. So they just needed one real time report. And they all, what they all cared was how many leads, what is the money we are pumping in? And what is the tactic, which is bringing the, you know, the maximum amount of results? That's what they cared, cared about. You know, yeah. uh, as yep. you said, that we'd we'd have to create this entire uh, beautiful or complicated or intricate dashboards.
0: So, le- lesson there is: don't assume what those executives want to see, right? Um, and don't just the the other part. You use the word sto- story, and I, this is another one that I've uh, I've become more and more convinced is is actually affecting not just marketing, tech, and marketing ops, but also marketing in general. Is that I think. Um. Marketers in general do a pretty good, poor job of storytelling with the data that they have, right? Which is, which is a weird thing to say because you think marketers would be the ones who could do the storytelling, but it's complicated and it's not as um, binary as sales, right? So we've talked about them. Yeah. So have have you had to do that before, right? Not just the numbers, but the story the numbers are telling. Have you, have you gone through that kind of process?
2: Uh, yes, uh, it, it was uh, pretty interesting that uh, it, it was actually right onto my face. Um, so, uh, when I was uh, sharing the post with my CPO and my VP of sales, so he's like, okay, I, I get the data, but what exactly it is telling me? What are the kind of decisions you want me to make out of it? Or what are the decisions you would like to make when you are seeing the data? Yeah. Trust me, I was dumb.
0: I was dumb. Like, is this good or bad? Like, I don't know, right? Like, and yeah, no reference, so it, they have no reference it, point.
2: Exactly, so it's like, okay, fine, no problem. You you did all this. Uh, you are able to extract the data. You are able to present the data. But what next? So exactly, I I think that's very very important, Michael. Even when we are working, uh, uh we are using the report only for our own purpose as a solo purpose, not even sharing that with the management. We have to see and understand that what exactly I am trying to derive from that particular report. What next?
0: Well, and I the, I think the maybe corollary to that that we've talked about too before is if you are asked to generate a report for something before just going off and generating the report, a good question asked is what, like, why, like, what are you try what are you trying to learn from that? Cause maybe that's not the right report, right. That you asked for, you know, So I think, I think there's some, some good stuff there. Well Chica, this is this has been a great conversation and I think we probably we probably didn't even get to some of the stuff we had hoped to but we are uh kind of up against time. I know your day is just getting going there so and and ours is winding down here. But thank you so much for joining us. If folks want to kind of connect with you or learn more about what you're up to or or follow you or whatever, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Yeah. Uh, send me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to uh, connect with you or definitely, you know, uh, through the Slack community. I'm, yeah. I'm all there.
0: All right. Yeah. So in the marketingops.com slap, Slack, Slack, Slack. Wow. I'm not sure where that came from. Um, It's been a day. Um, Well, so that's great. So we will definitely, once this goes out, we'll, we'll be sharing your information as well. So Thank you again for getting up early there. I know that was is tough, especially given um yeah, I think you have young kids too, so we appreciate that and so thank you to all our listeners um, thanks to Mike and Naomi, even though they're not here, they're here in spirit, and I uh, appreciate all that they do to help us keep this going. If you have suggestions for other guests or topics, um we are. Kind of thinking about things a little bit differently in 2023, but um, definitely still open to ideas for people and topics to include in our episodes. And with that, I think thank you again for your your support. And that's a wrap. Bye, everyone.
2: Yep. Bye, bye.
0: And yeah, I think uh, thank you, Michael. I, I really loved the uh, entire conversation. Uh, thank you for having me today. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone.